Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. This is Michael Anthony Ingram, and welcome to the program. Tonight, my very special guest is Brian Donnell James. Brian, are you with me? Yes, sir. All right. Brian is not only a poet, he's a novelist as well as a public speaker, and he's the 125th guest on the program. So I'm really, really pleased to have him with us tonight. All right, Brian, are we ready? Oh, yes, sir. All right, all right, all right. I'd like to begin by asking you a question. What is poetry? Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, Poetry to me is uh, art that is made out of uh, depression, you know, or any emotion, really. could be joy. Um, You know, when when we don't have answers... Uh, words help to um, help to soothe. They're like a blanket of comfort, you know. And uh, for me, I think that is what uh, poetry represents. All right. Why is it important, my friend? Uh, it's important, I think, um, because it is a connection, you know. Um, you know, you hear people spend their lives talking about, oh, I... You know, my, my soulmate, my soulmate. Well, guess what? You know, we're all soulmates. All you need to do is find a spirit that you can vibe with, <laughs> you know. Uh, right. And um, connection is important. It, it helps you to, uh, you know, forget about things like race and, um, you know, treating people because they're different uh, from you or they don't sound like you or they don't come from the areas where you come from, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, for me, that's what that's what words and specifically, you know, poetry do. It, it, it connects us as a human spirit, as God's spirit. Well, when you, all right. When you think about your body of work, what are some of the predominant themes? Um, well, people ask me that all the time, and my, my answer is always, um, you know, the resiliency of women. You know, um, in my life, women have always led the way. They've always been the leaders. Uh, they've always kept the family um, together. Um, you know, make sure you had a hot plate, <laughs> you know, and uh, they survive hard times. Uh, they are the backbone of our um, of it, as African-American, in my humble opinion. They are the background, yes. and they, they are the only reason that we made it through these, um, these, these 400 years. Oh, my God. Please share a poem. Uh, yes, um, I'm going to go right into um, an older poem that I really enjoy reading. Uh, it's called Sweet Tones, Somber Tones. Sweet tones, somber tones in the night sky. See, me all alone with this here old horn as my only ally. But I'm feeling good, feeling jazzy, playing up a storm. People hearing my sound now, they're coming in to get warm. Head swings slowly, sort of side to side. Fingers snapping, and I'm filled with pride. 
because I'm entertaining my people in the chocolate city. I got my eye on that dark-skinned girl looking pretty, fever running, running wild. And this old woman say, go ahead, play it, child. Ain't no worry, just dancing and fun. It wasn't nothing like this when the night begun. Yeah, these my peoples jam-packing the place. You see, I'm proud of my culture and I'm proud of my race. And I'm giving them back something for what they gave me. And I'm loving every minute playing this old horn real jazzy. Short hair, cornrows, scarves, and braids. Going out into the cold night as all the fun fades. Sweet tones, somber tones in the night sky. Me all alone with this here old horn as my only ally. Thank you. All right. That was nice. I like that. I like Thank that a you. lot. <laughs> oh, I like that. Thank you so As much. you know, this is a call-in show, and the call-in number is 646-787-1631. And actually, Brian, we have a caller. Oh, excellent. All right. Let's take this person and bring them into it so they can ask you a question. Absolutely. All right. The number is 470. The first three numbers are 599. You're on the air. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm well. And yourself? I'm doing well. Good. You have a question for Brian? I don't. Probably later on in the call, but not at the moment. All right, then. Well, thank you for calling, all right? All right. All, all right, right, Brian. Later on, he'll have a question for you. Well, I've got a question I'll be for with- you. <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> How does a poem begin with you, or for you, with an idea, a form, or an image? You know, all three. <laughs> you know, tell me more. Tell me more. Sometimes I might hear a word, uh, like one of the poems I'm going to read tonight is called "Tillage of Earth," and I just like the word "tillage." You know, uh, and uh, you can make a poem from it, or 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 you can imagine, um, you know, or you can just see something. And of course, the image will, uh, uh, you know, come to mind. But uh, basically, for me, it, it comes together like a like a crossword puzzle in my mind. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a beautiful mind, but when yeah. the guy sees all the images and things, and yeah, exactly. And that's how it is. You know, you you put the words together, and uh, I try to be what I call elegantly simple uh, because I want to connect to as many people as I can. So. I try to be as, as, as elegant but as beautiful as I can. Well, please share another piece of your work. Uh, sure. Uh, the name of this piece is called Quiet Men. Men of a certain age do not speak much. They are the ones that do not cry. They are the gardeners, the plumbers, the electricians of no training. They are the hard rigid ones of concrete hands, coarsened and callous from laying brick and rigid labor, rising every morning to face an uncertain day, every day. They are the undaunted heroes. Hair of salt and pepper, gray or white, they dress plainly and modestly. They are the wearers of bargain bin tennis shoes. They are the wearers of black socks and sandals at cookouts. They never retire work boots. 
They have survived turbulent times, fighting wars abroad and being killed at home, having the strength to remain silent or walk away when someone calls them boy. They are the overlooked. They are the slighted. They are the makers of hard decisions and black and white visions. They hold within their power scales of good and evil, given too much praise and too much blame. Their greatness taken for granted, their disappointments hurting severely, and their sins rippling through families for generations. And now I find myself somewhere between elder and ancestor, like the grandfathers, fathers, and uncles before me, found only in old photographs in basements or on the cover of dusted-off obituaries in attics. Staring back from these images of the past, seemingly wondering what will be said of us. Thank you. You know, this being Black History Month, that's a yes. powerful piece. Thank Extremely you. Extremely powerful. And it's yes. so important to remember so that we never forget. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that piece. Now, Indeed. as you think about your experiences, what was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Um, that's a very good question with a very simple and, and, and immature answer. Um, I wrote a girl a poem, and she liked it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the best way it's supposed to be. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's, you know, that, that, that's how it all began. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, poetry and I used to do rap music and, and things of this nature. And I saw how I was able to move the crowd and, uh, you know, here I am a hundred pounds and, uh, 80 of that was glasses, you know, skinny kid, you know, big glasses. Uh, but I, I saw that I was able to move the crowd with my words and, um, it, it just gave me a feeling of power. Okay. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Yes, sir. Danielle James, the one and only Brian Danielle James. <laughs> Question for you, Brian. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. All great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Wow, that's a uh, that's a very very good question. Um, you know, I, I I like so many writers. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Gwendolyn Brooks, Pablo Neruda, uh, Rita Dove, of course, Nikki Giovanni, um, mm-hmm. uh, from whom I have a letter of encouragement that, uh, that she responded to. You know, me publishing my first little chat book, I, 
gathered up the gumption to send it to my favorite poet, and she was so kind enough to write me a letter of encouragement back, which I still have all these years. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I was recently at an event at the Library of Congress that I was able to show her on my phone that I still had it, you know, of course, I'm sure she didn't remember it, but she was happy to hear such a such a nice story. Um, I like uh, Lord Byron. You know, uh, she walks in beauty like the night. Uh, just just a fantastic piece uh, of his. Um, yeah, just just so many writers. I, I I can't name them all. All right. Now, where do you hail from? Poets hail from all over the world. Where do you hail from? I was born and raised in Alexandria, Virginia, um, right by the waterfront. And um, uh, for the last, uh, what, uh, 20 years, I'm, I'm living in um, Prince William County out in uh, Manassas, uh, first uh, Battle of the Civil War uh, location. Right. Well, let me ask this question about living in Manassas. How does that mm-hmm. impact your work in any way? What uh, influence it, it, where you live? It, it definitely does because this area is, is such uh, uh, it's rich. Um, you have a Spanish community, you have a white community, a black community, and an uh, Asian community, all and, and others, all mixed together. Um, and then um, it influenced me greatly because um, I had get, walked away from writing for a while. Uh, after the uh, rap career didn't work out, <laughs> I became an accountant. All right. And, uh, you know, I, I did my job, but, you know, I, I wasn't terribly, you know, uh, happy because I wasn't writing. And I ran into a man um, named John Dutton and a wonderful um, writing group uh, called uh, Spilled Ink Virginia. And uh, we met over at the legendary Girani Coffee House uh, out here in Manassas, uh, owned by Ken Mormon. And, um, and there I was able to meet with other wonderful writers and, and just shape my, my sound and my writing ability. All right. Please share another poem. Absolutely. Um, in keeping with the um, uh, Black History Month theme, uh, this one is called Recollections of the South. She was to me a single drop of water brushed along the dry, cracked lips of a tired laborer. She became to me a heavy rain, densely veiled in mist. There was no vision in her storm. She inspired me with her loveliness in dawns and twilights of violet, where birds tweet and crows caw. She ignited within me the anger of raging rivers, leaving broken trees ripped and uprooted by her chaos wayside. Yes, I recall, this is how I loved her. She was to me a single seed planted in famine, deep within the rich black soil of the delta, She preached a ministry of kindness and cruelty and brought to me the sustenance of honey and the sourness of vinegar. She held summer captive in her blush, her lips, her kiss, so I could never settle in a season or time. And this love, born in the death of a rebel's cry, upon black backs cracked in fields, branded and bonded with iron, no longer has grass it seems on souls that are thirsty, longing for peace and serenity. But she leaves behind only faith and tears to quench windpipes covered in thorns, and ashes are still faintly smoldering, making her promises hard to trust. Yet still she lives in my core, so I yield to her beauty. 
Yes, this is how I cared. She became to me a foregone forever, lost in the handshakes and nods from strangers in small towns. She became to me lifetimes lost with the loyalty and betrayal of the stars and bars of Dixie. Come, sit a spell. She will lull you to sleep and seduce you. She will become one with you. Yes, I recall. This is how I loved her. Thank you. And by her, I mean the South. Wow. That was exquisite. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate (laughs) that. A perfect piece of poetry. Perfect. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. You know, all poets have several words that come up over and over again in their work. Words or sentences that they just can't help but use. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Well, I don't know about word, but subject matter. Uh, okay. Uh, again, it would have to be it would have to be women. It would have to be women. Um, and um, I would have to say uh, connection. I love to connect uh, with people. And then um, inspiration. I think those would be the three words that that you will find in my work or subject matters. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Please share another poem. Please share another poem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, This is a piece also keeping in tune with the theme. It's called A Tillage of Earth for George Floyd. A knee taken and blood spills with the tillage of earth. For tobacco to rain or in cotton croplands bear no difference to a knee taken upon a football field by a man wearing God's number upon his chest. Both feel the lash, both actions done to quench the passion and the thirst that the promise of equality surely doth yield. A kneel taken in prayer for a nation that protests too much change and too much progress. So we, a godly people, sing heart songs heard only in spirit and kneel to beg for empathy where our pleas fall yet again upon ears that are closed. So a knee upon a neck ends a life on urban farmlands, the new fields of slaughter and blood spills with the tillage of earth. Yet our hope is never disposed. Thank you. You know, Brian, there's so much happening in the world. So much happening. So much happening. What do you see as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? Well, you know what? This is a a blessing, you know, uh, to be a poet, to be an artist, uh, uh, to be a musician. Um, God gives you this talent. And when in turbulent times, we're called upon to soothe. Um, recently, uh, I lost a great aunt, um, Mrs. Bernardine Price. Um, and then <clears throat> I lost her sister, Miss Gwendolyn Kennedy. For Mrs. Price uh, services, I was called upon to, to read a poem. And I was uh, blessed to come up uh, with a poem called God's Poetry, meaning that our light, when God reads our heart, it should read like poetry, you know. And too many people out there 
when they if God reads it hard, it sounds like gangster rap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but she was, yeah, there's too many of us out there, right? But 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 she was a beautiful woman. She reminded me of my grandmother, um, you know, Carolyn James. You know, just beautiful people, and all you know, always had a hot plate for you. And uh, I, I was just so honored to do that service. So you know, poets are called upon. Uh, you know, you have to be ready to perform, and and um, and, and and humble enough to to accept these challenges and and um, just do the very best you you can. Um, you know, I saw the young lady at the um, inauguration. Now she's going to be performing at the Super Bowl. You know, uh, the world calls upon poets, and she did a uh, excuse. I don't mean to curse, but she did a hell of a job. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so, um, and you never know when you're going to get that call. She's 22. I'm sure she wasn't expecting that. You know, I so didn't know that blessing. she was a twin. She's a twin. I, that so, I didn't know. That I didn't know. You just, you educated me there. But what I yes. do know is she was. I could be wrong, but that's what I heard. <laughs> She's a yeah. Twin. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is that I heard it was going to be a 22 year old person. I was like, okay, 22. I, I don't know, you know, and, uh, <laughs> But then I, I, I pulled up uh, some of her work, and within four lines, I, I didn't even hear the rest of the poem. I just, oh, she got this. Mm. Oh, oh, she's going to, well, as we say, she's going to tear it up. And she, yeah. she, she, she did exactly that. So I'm so proud of her. Yeah. And, and all youth, you know, youth, youth poets out there. Wow. Share never another poem. I'm re- never stop writing. Share another poem. I'm really interested. I'm fascinated by your work. Please share another. Sure. Um this is sort of keeping with the theme. It's like deviation. Uh, it's called Dream Number Seven. Uh, seven to me uh, represents God, um, and so uh, that is the basis for that. <clears throat> dream Number Seven. How can I walk in dreams and feel the warmth of the sun on black skin? How can I feel the wind gather in my lungs and within my bones? And I am running in this wind, chasing the sound of your voice through the landscapes of my mind. Say my name tenderly again. I want to carry you with me. We two here in a dream, we are one, we are kindred, to where my actions become your consequence and your pain becomes my penance. Let me absorb your wounds and hurt. Let me give you absolution. Let me decipher your unhappiness on this and other worlds emotionally, lovingly, and these fleeting moments of a dream. Say my name sweetly again. I want to carry you with me. In peace. Thank you. Wow. Writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to the audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write, Brian? Um, another great question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Yeah, please, um, I like that. I I write because it helps me to battle, you know, depression. Okay. And when I and when I say that, there's a stigma to that. But you know, I'm I'm free of all of that. I'm free of all of that. Yes. Yes. See, I, I I stood at my father's. You know, my father passed. And I was about seven years old. I stood. I looked at that casket. This casket, and I believe a poet was born. You know, in those moments. 
you know. And so um, I just, um, you know, and it's confusing to explain because I've always known that I've, I've been immensely blessed within my life, you know. So if I'm blessed, how can I be depressed? But but mm. but, but but you can't you you can't you know, and so the poetry helped me to um, to make art out of that you know. And how great is that? What what a gift the creator gives us. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be the answer to that question. It helps me to combat anxiety and and depression, which is I think that is uh, something that um, a lot of poets out there, if not all, uh, feel. Yes. Well, being a poet myself, I deal with those issues as well, so I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, right. May is National National Mental Health Awareness Month, and I put on programs during that month to talk about the relationship between poetry and mental health. I'd like to invite you to come back. Oh, you know, well, I would love that. Your work. All right. Oh, I would All right. definitely love that. Yes, we work in conjunction with the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and I've uh, been put on the program for the last couple of years now, so I want you to come back and we can really talk about how poetry affects us and how it helps us. All right. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. All right. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go into a one called uh, Billiards Player. Billiards Player. The aged neon sign flashes pool hall outside of a meager dwelling place that has evolved to become a haven for us chocolate men on Saturday nights. The super slick savages who call themselves hustlers scout prey. Seek out those who feel invincible and steal farmers, railroad, and factory workers' pay. They catch them on the pool tables and smoothly chant, rack them. They use the dice games in back alleys or that knuckle game to straight jack them. Mm-mm, that girl Tezra show is fine. With that almond butter skin, I'd love to spend some time. I'd pitch woo right now if she wasn't the reverend's daughter. They say that gal's so sweet, you can drink her bath water. But she here to see Roscoe over there drinking brandy. But his soul is enslaved to the white nose candy. She funds his degradation, craving to test her womanhood. Skinny and frail, loving on him, ain't going to ever be good. Who, me? I'm the brother in the back room, cap tipped to the side, 
slightly hanging over my dark brown eyes. I grew up here in this shanty town, and I see it dying. And there's a restlessness in me, cause I see I'm dying. So tonight I'm jumping on a train, the midnight run. I ain't saying goodbye to none or one. Let them drink and smoke and live life recklessly. Through the mist of the pool hall, the sounds of the balls crackling endlessly. Pound my senses and sets my heart aflame. Eight ball in a corner pocket. Damn, that's game. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you've got the kind of voice that you could just listen to forever. Thank you, brother. What, Thank is you the, so much. what is the relationship between your speaking voice and your written voice, if there is a relationship? Most definitely. You know, it, any voice that you have, whether it's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, soft or low, you know, you, you have to learn to work with it. And for me, um, I have an okay speaking voice. Um, and for me that, you know, if I have anxiety, that's going to do 50% of the work. So all I have to do is just go to the podium and read from there. And I try to make sure that the words stand on their own. Because if the words can stand on their own, and then if I match my voice with it, now now we're cooking. You know, we got something to work with. Um, so a voice is, is definitely very, very important. All right. You know, you use the word cooking. And that brings up my next question. To you, what are some of the most prevalent ingredients that go into this concoction we call a poem? What goes into it? Emotion. Emotion. Um, if you're not feeling it, you know, how I'm going to feel it, you know? Mm. If you don't believe it, how do how, how you expect me to believe it? Um, I would say truth, but I'm going to narrow that down and say your truth because... Of course, you know, we're we're poets, so we, we make things up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, oh, I but, do it all the time, yeah. <laughs> but it's but it's but it's your job to make me believe. Like some of the pieces that I've been reading tonight are period pieces, you know. Uh you know, I'm in my mid forties, I was born in the seventies, you know, but some of my pieces that you know, can easily slip into the thirties and the forties. Fifties. Oh, yeah. Yes, they could. You see? So it that's my job to transport you there. It's like a, a time machine. That's why I like you know, Lord Byron, again, I got to go back to him, you know, because it's like, a, it, you know, obviously hundreds of years ago he lived. But when I read uh, She Walks in Beauty, it was like I was transported right there. I felt everything he he felt. And, um, you know, that that's our job. You know. Now, do you know that particular piece by heart, by Lord Byron? Mm, uh, a, a little bit, um, but uh, not completely. You know. Share what you know. Share what okay. you know. I want I'm to on the spot. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, she walks in beauty like the night of cloudless climes and starry skies and all that's best of dark and bright meet in her aspect and in her eyes, thus mellowed to that tender light which heaven to gaudy day denies. And there's two more verses, but. You, that was all right. That, that was going back. That was going back. I haven't seen that, that poem since nice. I was like 16, so that's, yeah, that's about 30 years ago. That was, that was fantastic, fantastic. Does Thank writing you. energize or exhaust you? 
Uh, both. <laughs> Tell me more. Another, another great question. Um, you know, you know, I, I don't mean to. Uh, again, you know, I, the respect I have for women. I, 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 so I, you know, I want to be very careful when I say this. But yeah. as a poet, you know how you, you when you're impregnated with a poem, okay, mm-hmm. it's in your being, right? It's in your spirit, yes. right? You get energized. You get you get excited. And 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 um, almost, I would say almost, in the same way that a woman gives birth, when you when you, and 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 probably just as painful in the spirit, <laughs> not physically, mm-hmm. but in the spirit, it's very um, you know, it's gratifying when you when you can do that, and then you're loving all over that baby, you know what I mean? <laughs> so 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 you get uh oh yeah, so you get um energized from that, and then what happens after that? You're exhausted, you know. Again, in reference of a woman, a woman is very tired after giving babies. You know, my wife, she bore four kids. So, you know, and I was oh, there. Nice. Yes, yeah. yes, I'm blessed. Yeah. I'm giving a shout out. I have a good shout out to my wife, Miss Tara Perlett. James. All right. Edwards Congratulations. James. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So uh, wow. that that would be my answer to that. Share another poem. Oh, okay. Um, this one is called Grandma. It's a very interesting piece because uh, I wrote the piece and um, I had people from different ethnic groups coming to me and they'd say to me, oh, that's my grandma, sometimes in tears. And I, and I, I hate arrogance, so I'm not being arrogant. You know, I, I'm just telling you exactly how it is and how oh, yeah. the creator is. That's why I say we're all connected. They will come to me and they said, that's my grandma. And they will be Asian. They will be Caucasian. They will be Hispanic, you know. And uh, and you know what I say? I say, yeah, it sure is. I said, that's your grandma. Because it's not what I meant. It's, it's what it meant to them, you know, what it means to the reader. Uh, so yes. I'm going to get right into the piece. And if it's your grandma, then God bless you. Okay, right. grandma. I still hear her prayers whispered upon the night winds. I still smell her hands scented with the olive oils that she used to braid the kinkiest of hair. Little girls squirmed between her legs, but she held firm and adorned their crowns with beads. For Sunday was approaching, and she said, One cannot go before the Lord any kind of way. And she said, God speaks through the thunder of storms. So when the rains rolled in, Everything was halted within a dark house, and only the cracks and pops of her old bones were heard as she used candlelight to kneel upon unstable and well-worn knees to pray and cry, yes, Lord, while in conversation with the creator. And the young ones remained silent in the knowledge that it is only she that has earned the right to praise and reaffirm his glory in these moments. In the closets, where the burnt orange housecoat still hangs, shag slippers align the floors. Dime store cat glasses and framed ancestors rest upon pine wood dressers. Silk scarves used to hide gray hair, rollers and wigs are placed on the top shelves. And there are fragrant perfumes besides rose-laden lotions reserved for special times. Sadly, there were no great men in her life. I do not recall them like I recall her. 
for they rose and fell like tides, but her waters were always calm. Her loving heart well-crafted despite painful past memories. She say, do not sit on the laps of men and do not let them lead you into the fields. For mistrust and misdeeds, she grew to forgive, but she did not forget them. Her tears can be uh, hidden, but still heard and felt in moments of solitude. Wisdom from tougher times was to be passed down so there was nothing to be wasted. So as pig feet and llama beans roasted in the cast iron oven, we gather sugar cane and cinnamon for the tomato pudding. Fresh poke salad and bitter greens, collard greens, were plucked from the garden and made to taste savory with smoked meats and lemon pepper. There'd be fried living and wild onions and stews of every kind. And to sustain us in winters, the multicolored quilts of our Cherokee kin kept us warm. Her house and acres were owned, bought with decades of back-breaking suffrage and toil, all so that there would be a haven for the children to gather <laughs> and then scatter in laughter like dandelion seeds blown across sun-beaten yards. The front porch grants the sanctuary of white wicker chairs, used to escape the southern heat that was always felt, even under the moon. And in this serenity, she smiles at me and then slowly rocks into eternity. But I still hear her prayers whispered upon the night winds, and I still smell her hands scented in olive oils for which she used to braid the kinkiest of hair. Thank you. It's funny, I was looking at a picture of my grandmother today, mm. and um, she hails from, or hailed from South Carolina, hey. and I could see her in your poem. Thank you. Thank you. I Thank really you. could. I could see her. That's the creator's gift. Nice. That's the creator's gift. Every time I share that poem, people come to me off stage, and they say the exact same thing. No matter what right. race, no matter what. Oh, yeah. Choices in life. We all got that grandma. We got that grandma. It's true. Exactly. You know, some poets, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature. Once it's out of their, out of their hands, it's not much else they can do to correct it or improve it. While others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? Do you are you an editor, or once it's gone, it's gone? Uh, both. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I and I will elaborate. Tell me. Sometimes, sometimes I write a poem like when I got the uh, award from the United Nations, my poetry win for the poem testimony. Testimony I wrote in five minutes, and the reason why I wrote it in five minutes is because I lived the piece. You see, and I had discussed it with my oldest boy, who was the piece was about, and um, um. We, we had discussed it over the years. So I wrote it in five minutes. And then uh, after some time, I, I got the, the, you know, the call that I had won first place. Uh, so a United Nations win was just, uh, just an incredible blessing for me. Oh, yeah. I'm and sure I, I, I was just, yeah, I was just so thankful. <laughs> then there are other poems like uh, the one that I just read, The uh, Billiards Player. I uh, mm-hmm. wrote that poem when I was 14. It had got published a few times. But um, I've been rewriting the piece. Uh, for 30 years, <laughs> so it's been published. It, it, you know, it, you know. So I'm both. Sometimes I'll be decisive, and then other times I'll revisit a poem and say, "Hey, you know what? I'm just going to add a word here or there 
and uh, fine-tune it. You know, I didn't ask if you came from a literary background or not, and what did you learn about about writing growing up? Um, I mean, I came from a loving background, um, um, and uh, actually, yes, uh, they, uh, you know, my mother, you know, as a single mother after the death of my father and my uncles and my aunts and my grandmothers, uh, they raised me. They were all readers, you know. Um, you know, they would they would read the little you know, novels and things uh, that you could buy from the stores, um, and uh, even more serious uh, uh, literature. Um, but um, also, I had uh, heard word that my father was a writer. He was a poet, you know, before he had passed. Oh, really? Wow. Yes, yes. So. I guess in my own way, I saw that as a connection, you know, uh, to him as well. So that also, you know, uh, was an inspiration and one of the reasons why I uh, I started uh, with this art. Share another poem, my friend. Okay. So keeping with the theme, we're going to go to a piece called Black Ballerina. It's uh, one of our older pieces, and uh, I, I I just... Love to read it. <laughs> so here we go, All Black Ballerina. Right. With worn down black shoes and a faded pink dress, danced Katrina, the ballerina above all the rest. A young lady of color, eyes of coal. She grants a smile and invigorates my soul, twirling and leaping higher and higher. Adrenaline flowing to an undying fire, but no sweat upon my Katrina, just the moonlight and mine eyes upon thee, the ballerina for all the world to see, capturing, entrancing, such a lovely sight is my love, she stands black and beautiful, surpassing this starlit night, she smiled at me once more and gracefully took her bow, but never Shall I forget the warmth and the happiness I felt just now? And forevermore she shall be my black ballerina. Thank you. Wow. Black ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, the following question is, 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 is subjective, but I'd like you to take a stab at it anyway, if you don't mind. Absolutely. All right. What makes a poem good? Uh, connection, connection. You know. You talked um, about connection. Tell us more yes, about sir. the connection. Connection. It's everything. You know. Um, don't. You know. I, I mean, put people like we say, put people on Front Street. But right. don't. But don't call me to a. You know, because I speak at universities and, and other. Um, you know, uh, private agencies, events, and things, and we have poets that. Um, that are more renowned, you know, and they, they come around uh, those who don't have as much experience. But then, you know, quite often you bore me with big words that do not connect mm. to the audience. You know, you, again, I hate arrogance. I hate, <laughs> I hate yes. arrogance. And, and some people forget that if you've been blessed to have a certain amount of success, you, you, you can't forget where you, where you come from. And you can never forget the connection. That's rule number one as a poet. You know, I have to feel you, you know. And then for me, when I write pieces, I don't want people to forget. They might not remember the words, but 
you know, as Maya Angelou, I believe, said, you know, they remember how you feel, how that, mm-hmm. how that piece made them feel. And, and, um, and you know, that's what I try to do. That's why connection is so important to me. Well, I'm connecting with you, and I'd like Thank you to you, share sir. another point. Please share another sure. point. Sure, sure. Uh, this is a uh, sort of similar to the theme, um, but uh, it's a love poem. It's called Blind, and I, um, I, I love to read it uh, as well. Um, blind. Yet even when I close my eyes and fall into the abstract art ablaze in color against my inner blackness, your image beckons through, an outline etched in a vivid shade. In stellar points of light, I see you like moonbeams on the dark seas of my mind. And on this shoreline of eternity, I stand on notice, on the abyss of an endless void, ebb and flow within my pulse, you are the pattern of my heartbeat. And when I close my eyes, I find myself almost wishing to be blind, if only to touch you in new dimensions and make love to you in new depths. Go deeper than thy flesh. I want to know thy essence, where marrow and bone are replaced by stardust and cosmos, where your soul is free. I want to know you there, my love. And yes, I would choose to remain blind, forever cast in ebony, save for your likeness, save for your image. This would be the better blessing. Indeed, my heaven. Thank you. What? Oh, wow, you're incredible, man. What are you Thank trying you. to communicate communicate with your art? Um Comfort. Comfort. Okay. I want you to be comforted. I want you to be soothed. You know, uh, I want to relieve anxiety. You know, I want you to feel relaxed. And I and I I want to have a pleasant conversation. You know. All right. Uh, with my work, between between me and the reader, I want I want you to feel as if we've just had a conversation, and I want to leave it in your spirit. Well, on that note, let's take a brief break, and we'll be right back. Yes, um, the name of this piece is called In the Loving, In the Loving. It is in your loving, it is in your 
healing, my confidant. It is in the decades of tenderness where you are never absent from my life, and never absent is the yearning. It is in the kissing of my eyelids when I am weary, when you think I am at rest. When I am cold, you cuddle close. You are the solar warming within my rib. And when universal blackness lays upon us, yes, when the quilt of night keeps us huddled beneath, exposed and fragile, I have no choice but to explore your hills and caverns and arise with the morning dew, replenished and reborn. Thank you. What does it mean to you to be a black male poet? You know what? I mean, it's I, I am vehemently uh, protective of being a black American. All right. However, 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 you know, there's a higher sense of our spirit and a lower sense of our spirit, right? Okay. So skin is clay, right, that protects mm-hmm. something. And what that protects is, is uh, God's spirit that re- resides within all of us. So, yes, I am a proud black poet, but I'm a human being. Okay, yes. and I am, and I am a child of God, and 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 don't misconstrue. I'm not a terribly religious person. <laughs> I'm more all of a right. spiritual all right. person. No problem. No but problem. fact is, but fact is fact. You know, I've I've studied every religion that there is upon the death of my father, trying to have some understanding. You know, and let me tell you something. Every stop I made, every name I called the Creator, He always blessed me. So for me, that's not just one way. There can't be. He blessed me when I called him Allah. He blessed me when I called him Jesus. He blessed me every name I, I, you could use. I've always been blessed. All we have to do is just quiet things down and see the miracles, the daily miracles that we have in our lives every day. You know, it's funny. I, too, went on a quest to find out what suffering meant. Why do people suffer? And I looked at different religions to find out the definition of suffering. And I came to the conclusion that if you can understand that suffering is going to be part of your existence, whether big or small, and you can accept that, then you'll be at peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything in the universe is positive and negative. Everything. Mm -hmm. Wow. You're a bad man. Oh. <laughs> no, brother, I'm not. No, you know, I want to tell my sons, no, I, no, I, you know, I tell my sons, if I share something with you, a piece of advice, it's not because I'm an expert, I know it all. It is because right. I've no, got my butt is. kicked, you know. Yes. <laughs> I got beat up a few times. That's how you learn. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Again, you know, no next, next month, well, I was going to say next month is Women's History Month, and I plan to ask the same question. What does it mean to be a woman poet? And mm. I can see a piece of that being that I'm human first, then a woman. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a woman, uh, but I would imagine, yes. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. <thank> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. 
share <laughs> share another poem, my friend. Ah, you know what, dear brother, dear brother, that was that's creative right there. That was a perfect segue into my next piece. Um, All right, this perfect. This piece is called uh, Guardian. It's a very uh, tender poem for me. It took me ten years to write to capture the oh. the words, yes, that I feel in protection of uh, young women and 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 children specifically. Um, all children, you know, girls and boys. But it's called uh, Guardian. Cover thy breast to protect your heart. Cross thy legs to protect your modesty. These are things told to little girls. The butterflies scared to leave their husk. Buds upon their chest bring unwanted attention from boys and men lurking to spoil from abroad and from within to shudder with the turn of a doorknob to shake under covers pulled tightly it is ungodly for a child not to feel safe in a home space to brace for the unwanted kiss to brace for the clenched fist These are things learnt by little girls, and this trauma can stunt womanhood. So you draw back when I extend my hand. It is a hurting thing not to be trusted. I love you. I love you. I swear. Let me be your guardian. I love you. I love you. I swear. Thank you. Powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow. How active are you on social media? And how does that um, get into your writing? Uh, recently, I'm very, very, uh, been very, very active. Um, you know, uh, uh, updating stuff on my website, bronddonaldjames.com. Um, um, I'm on Facebook, you know, um, and I, I do a variety of different shows. Uh, that's the great thing about right, during this time, uh, during the pandemic, you know, you can virtually be anywhere. Uh, last week I was in New York, Miami, um, <laughs> uh, Chicago, Canada, you know, every open mic that will call and invite me, I'm there. And uh, All right. uh, this is the renaissance, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> You know, it's funny. The pandemic may have caused a lot of, a lot of chaos. But one thing that it did open, though, was the use of Zoom, and other programs like that uh, that brought people together who would have never gotten together. So, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. There were some good in the bad. Some good in the bad. Hmm. We've got about five minutes left, and I want to give you this time to share any of your works that you like. Well, since I only have five minutes left, I'm going to. Uh, share a very, uh, once again, a very personal piece to me. It's about uh, my my grandson, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, he has uh, uh, beginning stages of uh, autism. Um, so I wrote a poem about how I was feeling. And um, I've shared this on open mics and um, a variety of different shows and things. And it always gets a uh, positive um response because there are a lot of people 
we have children or, or family members who have autism. So uh, yes. I'm going to read this poem. It's called Toys. Toys for Omar. He aligns his cars in straight lines and stacks his blocks by six in perfect columns. He jumps up and down with enthusiasm for his autism speaks in action. At the moment, he prefers the color green and is reluctant to noise. So he sets his hands upon his ears and disappears to solitude while I am left to await his return. But because I love him so, I have learned to enter a room quietly, to sit and await his attention. Just like his toys, I remain silent for his acknowledgement. He surveys me and in time grants a smile and then a sudden warm hug. He giggles within my arms, cocks his head and stares as if to say, don't worry, Grandpa, I am in control and then runs down the hall with glee. Yes, we are all his toys. My heart burns with joy, literally burns with joy, a spectrum of emotion within, aching and hurting with happiness, with hope. I shed a tear of joy for this lovely boy, my little genius. Thank you. Very touching. Thank you so much. And very, and Thank very real, much. very real, very real. Most very real. definitely, most definitely. What is next for you creatively, Brian? Well, um, you know, I, it's funny you asked me that because I was on the open mic just last night, and I was asked the same question, and I said, "Well, you know." Uh, there are no uh, millionaire poets. Um, uh, so I'm going to have to start writing novels. Um, so, yes. So, uh, uh, but I'm doing novels, but I'm doing them in a very poetic manner, you know. Uh, again, I never want to lose. Some novels and things, you could, it could be kind of cold. I always want to keep them warm, you know, to the spirit. Uh, and so those are the things that I will be doing. I'll be joining um, Dr. Hiram LaRue, uh, I believe it's next week at Penn State University for a closed event. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, upon some of the projects that he does with Poetry X Hunger um, uh, to fight hunger, uh, Dr. LaRue, uh, has, Hiram, has been a blessing to me and many other poets in the area. Uh, the uh, you know, across the country, but definitely in the DMV area as well. Um, so those are the things that I will be doing. And um, I think at the end, of, uh, yes, at the end of the month, I will be with uh, Prince William um, Poet Laureate, um, uh, Miss Kim, and then uh, uh, speaking for a um, uh, Black History Month for the county. Yeah. Uh, so, and she's, she's excellent. She's the best haiku uh, writer in the country. <laughs> So well, she's going to be on the great. show in in March. So. Oh, that is awesome! You are your readers are in in for a treat. 
so also uh, uh, yes, also I do programs with Miss uh, the Alexandria Poor Lord, uh, Miss uh, uh, Kaniki Jakarta. She's also awesome. Yes. She's probably been on the show too. So uh, yes. yeah, I'm surrounded by a bunch of beautiful people, a bunch of beautiful souls, you know. Well, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your gift with us tonight. Um, the highlight of my week. Oh, thank and you. You welcome back. Welcome back anytime. Anytime you want to share anything, just say, Michael, can I come on the air? And I'll say yes. Well, I sincerely appreciate that. And, and um, thanks for everybody coming out and uh, supporting me. And, uh, um, you know, everybody, please have a lovely evening and stay blessed. Yes. Take care, everybody. Until next week, be safe out there. Good night. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.